Welcome to the Driven Society podcast. My name is Aquaeus Kelly. I am your guest host as well as the community manager here at Driven Society. Our guest today is Cass Lee Johnson, the founder of My Home Pathway. What's going on, Cass Lee? Hey, appreciate it, Aquaeus. Shout out Driven Society. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Um, pleasure to be here. I hope everybody's well and uh, Looking forward to this, get this kickoff right. Let's make this uh, it's a good uh, use of your time, right? Time is a precious asset you can't get back. So we'll, we'll try to maximize that. And uh, again, thank you guys for the opportunity to connect. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. So let's kick things off correct in regards to who you are, your story, and the inspiration behind launching My Home Pathway. Yeah. Um, so uh, Cassie Johnson, um, immigrant from Jamaica, Montego Bay, Jamaica, uh, born and raised. Um, so like the, the Fresh Prince was born and raised in the south side of Chile, but me, Montego Bay, Jamaica, um, you know, came to the U.S. Um, when I was relatively young, around 14, I had to go to college. Right. You get this whole thing, even in Jamaica, they're like, oh, you got to go to college and, you know, get a good job and all this stuff. Um, so, you know, my mom came before me and she was like, hey, I'm gonna you know, make sure that you have the opportunity to go to college in the US. Um, so I came here, uh, moved to Jersey, um, went to high school. You know, I actually had a couple cousins in high school. So it was a little easier for me to acclimate to US society through them um, and their friends and built my own friends. Um, and then went to college, I went to Penn State, um, got lucky and got an academic scholarship. So um, again, didn't have school tuition uh, fees. So that helped me from, again, student loan standpoint, right? Because again, that's the, another issue around um, a lot of African-American and, and minority communities and student loan debt. Uh, so I got lucky there, went to Penn State and studied business. Um, you know, really had a broad interest in business. I didn't know exactly what area of business I wanted to go into. So I ended up in a management and international degree um, program. I uh, went abroad for a semester, uh, lived in Costa Rica as my study abroad and loved it. And then again, that actually also helped in my like love for travel at, at the time. So I ended up traveling a lot after graduating, but you know, graduated from Penn State um, and then actually got it started looking into the world of Wall Street. And so I actually took my Series 7 Life and Health and became a financial advisor um, after college. And that was like my first opening into you know, finance and how the markets work and personal finance and things like that. Um, did that for a bit and was mostly more on the insurance side and protection, um, not as much on the investment, but I still did a lot of reading and just understanding the markets and money. And after that, went to NYU, um, you know, got my MBA in finance and accounting, shout out to the consortium for providing us the opportunity again, uh, a scholarship program um, that's you know, beneficial to a lot of folks that are out here that you know people need to look into and, and keep supporting. And again, shout out to the, them and NYU uh, for giving us opportunity to attend uh, the MBA program there. I've got my um, degree in finance and accounting and then um, ended up going to the New York Fed after uh, NYU. And so I went to the New York Fed during the last financial crisis when you know everything was going to hell in a handbasket of finance, right? Wall Street, the economy was crashing and just learned a lot about how money and banking truly works. Because the Fed is at the, the cornerstone of uh, banking and the money supply. 
And so, you know, that's kind of really what cut my teeth into truly understanding personal finance, banking, how money works, you know, a lot of these unwritten rules right around uh, Wall Street and banking. Um, you know, did that for a couple of years and went to work for a couple of different large banks, um, kind of on the risk side and operations. So I worked for Goldman, uh, Ernst & Young and consulting piece, uh, AIG and insurance and, and model risk and understanding how you know, risk works in general. And, you know, then I ended up going into Bank of Montreal and ran U.S. model governance for Bank of Montreal. And then in that perspective, still kind of, but I always had a, a desire to help more people that look like me, right? And I try to do that within banking. Um, and I found that was harder for me to pull off inside of those institutions. Um, so I ended up, you know, leaving Bank of Montreal and starting my first startup, uh, Trifigo. And you know that one was really around helping more people generally um, that just more times happen to be black and brown better understand their personal finance and credit. And with that, again, we don't as a community typically understand our personal finance as well enough to really play the game and, and have the best options, right? And so credit stands at the cornerstone of that. And if you don't understand credit and credit scores, then you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. So if you set up yourself up for failure individually and you set yourself up for failure as a community, that's where, again, we see these gaps you know, in wealth uh, accumulation and distribution. Um, so again, that was my first startup in, in Trifigo, but I realized that you know, it was harder to get people to action certain things, right? And it was just the, the incentives weren't fully aligned as much as they are. And then I started looking at, hey, what's the, the greatest way to wealth in this country from a regular person standpoint, right? And that is actually um, home equity, right? Home equity in the US average is about 115,000. And so, you know, then you start looking at, you know, home ownership rates between um, the minority communities, black, Hispanic, and, and white communities, and you see like, wow, there's a significant difference there. And that's actually one of the cornerstones of the wealth gap. So in, in that perspective, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, okay, if I can address this aspect, right? Access to capital, access to home ownership, we can address the wealth gap because that's where the cornerstone of this stuff happens, right? And then if you build um, folks' knowledge and access opportunities in that process, you're helping them become smarter. Right, and better consumers, but also just better understanding the rules of the game. So um, that's really what we started doing in my own pathway. So my own pathway really comes down to how do we help more folks get access to opportunity, an opportunity um, to create wealth. You know, and and that's where the wealth building piece of it, and just you know, the financial freedom, financial empowerment. Um, aspect of what we're doing and what really helps drive what our mission is. Excellent. Sounds good. So as you're speaking and as I'm listening, you mentioned the difficulty when it comes to credit and finance. And why do you think that credit and finance specifically for people of color, communities of color, is such a pain point? Where do you think that that stems from? I mean, <laughs> It's really around lack of knowledge around the rules of the game, right? So if you think about 
lot of folks, you ever played Monopoly, right? Monopoly yes. has a certain, certain structure to it, certain rules to it. And you know, again, if you play a couple times, you'll pick up those rules, you get better at it. But your first time playing Monopoly, if you don't really understand the rules, but you're playing against somebody who's played Monopoly a hundred times, you're probably gonna get crushed, right? And that's where in your personal finance, there's a significant lack of understanding, especially around the minority communities, around the rules of personal finance. And our personal, our financial lives is like the game of Monopoly, right? And we're playing against people that have played the game a hundred times, right? And they know, hey, they got to get this hotel. They got to get this income producing property and you got to pay your toll when you come through here. And so they know the structure, right? And you know, we've been told some of the rules but not all of the rules. So now you play against somebody that knows all of the rules and you know some of the rules and you think, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all I can with the, the rules that I've been told. Okay, that's great. But you only been told 40% of the rules. So you can only do so much, right? So that's where I think a huge difference is within our communities and other communities, right? The rules of the game have not been evenly distributed. And the fact that the rules of the game and personal finance change over time, right? So even if what you know today is different from 10 years ago in terms of the rules of the game and personal finance and personal finance slacks in with like credit scores, taxes, tax implications, Right? You don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to necessarily study all the taxes, but you got to know at least enough right, to even know to find the right professionals to help you. So if you don't even know enough for that, that's where, again, some of the challenges are. So in your personal finance, how do you make sure that you know the rules of the game and credit? Like, exempt, what is a credit score? You know, what is it supposed to do? How does this help or hold me back? Right? And when I start getting some of that, then, you know, what do I need to do to show that, you know, I'm in a good spot, like I'm a good, smart consumer. I mean, like the same when you go to school, like, you know, the 3.8 person is, you know, put in work or smarter. Yeah. Same difference, like the, the 1.8 person, like, bro, you may have not showed up for the test. That's literally our lives, right? Yeah. So if I see an 800 credit score, that person made some good decisions right, at some point and continue to make good decisions. So I'm gonna assume that that person is gonna to continue to make good decisions in the future. Now, if I see somebody show up to me with a eight, a, you know, 550 or 570, mm, I'm a question, you're decisioning, right? And, you, and your circumstances are a part of that. So the two prong processes, your circumstances, situation and your mindset are the two most important things. So we all start from somewhere, right? You got to start at the top, start at the bottom, start at the middle, no matter what, you start from somewhere. And so even if you start at the top, you got to maintain. So you still got to make good decisions yeah. to maintain if you start at the top, right? If you start in the middle, then you want to go up. Your mindset, your knowledge, your decisioning helps to put you in a better spot to get to the top. And if you start at the bottom, you just got a longer way to go. So now you even got to be smarter when you start at the bottom, right? Yeah. You have less room for mistakes. You have less room for not actually, you know, executing well. And so we as a community are starting lower. So we have less room. But the fact that we are starting lower and we don't know the rules of the game, how can you get it to the top? Because now you have, again, smaller margins for error. Yeah.
Yeah. So it, it's, I think a lot of it to me, I look at it as like, um, you know, street rules. If you come from certain places, you know, like the OGs knew the street rules. And the OGs would tell you, boy, don't walk down that block. Don't go over there. You know, stay within the lane, right? Don't jump into this game if you ain't about this hustling life, okay? The, the OGs told folks and folks chose their paths, right? I'm gonna go to this path, I'm gonna go to this path. I'm gonna be the athlete, I'm gonna be the bookworm, I'm gonna be whatever, right? I'm just be a normal cat and just cool. So the OGs help to keep certain structures, right? This is the same thing in finance. We need, we're getting more black OGs, black and brown OGs in finance, which are putting people into the, the rules of the game, right? Don't go over here. Don't do this. Be better here. This is what you need to pay attention to. This is how you, you, you know, understand interest rates and understand credit scores and understand how to shop and understand your money mentality, right? And understand the type of resources you need, right? So I think for for me and you know for folks that we're working through and you know connecting and again i'm not the only og in this game at this point but you know what i mean i'm i'm trying to help as many of our folks learn the rules of the game and so as we get to know the rules of the game we can execute better and so that's how we kind of look at this stuff so let's say you speak about the ogs right um hoods everywhere across america <laughs> let, let, let's say you are a coach and you have to coach a community right i know you're in nj i'm in jersey right now let's say you had like jersey city or newark or trenton or camden and they said all right Castley, you're in charge of coaching this community right here to get them and equip them with the mindset to get them to the next level what what are some what is some advice that you would provide to the community to tap into so that uh, there can be some growth and progress financially and economically. Yeah, so I think, you know, again, we start with some basic stuff. Know the rules of the game. Yeah. We got to teach you that, right? So here's what the rules of the game of personal finance is. And so when we start with just a basic understanding, right? Level of playing field, information asymmetry, if someone knows much more information than you and they can leverage that and you think you know and you don't, you're putting yourself in a bad position, right? So how do you put yourself in the best position to win? That's really what it starts out with, right? So first you're gonna know the rules of the game, right? And then how do we, once you know the rules of the game, now you gotta figure out how to play smart, mm -hmm. right? And the play smart part comes with a mindset. And so how do we help you to get to the right mindset, right? Ownership is a mindset, right? Consumerism is a mindset, but those things are played through society, through media, through, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is one of the worst things that could happen to you. Absolutely. And so again, I got to get folks to understand how to be comfortable within themselves. So there's a psychological aspect to this right a huge psychological aspect and so how do we work on men the mentality that puts a lot of us in the hole financially right again keeping up with the joneses they got a, a s class i gotta go get an s class or i gotta go get you know a eight or something to keep up and so now we're in this race of seeing who can outshine the next and you end up again in this credit hole 
in this financial hole. So how do we say, hey, if they got an S-Class, but I should really be driving a nice you know, Camry, bruh, stick to your Camry, right? You're good. Don't necessarily have to go outshine somebody because I know most rich people, you'll catch them cats in white t-shirts and slacks. Yeah. They don't have to wear Givenchy. They don't have, now they may have some of that in their closet, but that's not their normal, right? Their normal is, again, I don't have to wear my money out. Yeah. We have to, a lot of times as a community, we have to get that out, right? So some, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see some of the rappers talking about it, you know, 21 Savage and others, you know, have, have grown and have seen that and have learned. So as a community, we just got to do that more work in that aspect, right? So I think, again, a big part of it is the, the wealth mindset standpoint in the situation. Again, so wherever you start from, you got to look at like, hey, I'm a, this is where I'm at, right? Cool. You don't, at some point, again, even if you start lower than others, you'll be looking at it as, as a milestone. Like, I'm going to get there, right? That's, a, that's like that that championship mentality we talk about in sports, yeah, right? I, yeah. I'm gonna get there, so cool. What do I need to do to get there? And that's the grind, right? So the grind, so we say like, again, simple, bring it back to just simple, simple stuff. Don't hustle backwards. What does that mean? We know it when we see it. We know it in the, in the streets kind of joint, but don't hustle backward. Having a bad credit score is hustling backwards, period. Yeah, that means you're paying somebody so much more for something to get access or you won't get access, period. That's hustling backwards. Yeah. Yeah. How do we put ourselves in a way to not hustle backwards, hustle smart, hustle forward? Like as a community, we know what hustling is. Yeah. Right. We hustle in corporate. We hustle in entrepreneurship. We hustle in, in side jobs. We hustle all day. But you still got to hustle smart. So how do we hustle smart? So while, while we're on the topic of mindset, hustling smart, for me, time and energy is essential. And how we allocate that. Like we're here to have a real conversation. It's Saturday morning right now, mm -hmm. right? Some people may not be up right now. Some people may be up. Some people choose their, to spend their weekends a certain way, their Friday nights a certain way. Some people don't. So in regards to your habits and behaviors from day to day, whether you choose to read a book or whether you choose to watch TV, I want to get real tangible right now into what those habits are and how you allocate your time and energy so that maybe a listener can take that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to spend my money here, but instead I'm going to spend my money here. I'm not going to spend my time here. Instead, I'm gonna spend my time there. <laughs> oh man, you're bringing up some some gems real quick. Um, yeah, bro. So, time is your most precious asset. Literally, nothing else. No matter how much money you'll ever accumulate, or you're working for, you're making three hundred thousand. You're making, you know, a billion. Time is your most precious asset, and how you use that time. You should maximize all of it as much as you can. But maximizing all of it doesn't necessarily mean you working all of it, right? I maximize my time with my family. I maximize my time with my friends. I maximize my time reading. I maximize my time grinding and working and networking and building, 
right? And I still, you still need downtime because that's recoup and recharge time. So that's still maximizing if you, again, that's why mindset is so critical, right? How do I look at the 24 hours I'm given? I'm given the same 24 hours as Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Jack Ma, Jay-Z, Patrick Mahomes, right? And we have different skill sets and different gifts. And those people like Kobe in the gym, you weren't with me putting the work in the gym? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the that's the mentality you have to have, right? But again, it's like, what do you want to be? What do you want out of your life? And once you figure that out, what are you willing to do to get there? Right. And what do you have to some things you have to sacrifice? So in certain aspects, my family may not get as much time as I would like. So I know I make the conscious choice that yes, it's not the best, but for a period of time, I may have to sacrifice something, right? In this aspect to get me something else here, but I'm putting in the work to get there, right? So I don't have a regret with anything, right? So even when I'm recharging and I'm having my downtime and I might watch you know, something more chill, Right. I like snowfall. So I'm going to watch that because I want to kind of relax. Yeah. I'm still recharging. Right. So I'm, I'm using and maximizing my time in that aspect. And then, but when I'm grinding and if I'm, if I'm putting in 12, 14, 16 hours, I'm maximizing it for the return I want to get for building my company, for building, you know, what we need to, to help more people. Right. So my vision is a little different. And so again, when I'm spending, then sometimes I'll be like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to spend eight hours with my family all day and I'm going to take my son to the park. I'll take my son to the park and have business meetings at the same time. Right. Yeah. So I'll do a little bit of both. I try to maximize where I can. Um, but, you know, I'm in reading, right. Inserting information into your, into your mind, into your body to me in a certain respect should be a daily activity. Right. So for me, I, I signed up to a bunch of newsletters and podcasts and look not as much podcast, to be honest, but a lot of newsletters. Right. And a lot of um, sites that I check and data that I look at um, just to make sure that I'm up to date with what's truly going on today. Right. Because if I'm going to be trying to help people, I have to know what's going on, you know, from the CFPB, from the Federal Reserve Bank, you know, from what Congress last action or, or a proposed action or rulemaking by the OCC, right? So those are the things that are gonna help move the needle in trying to help people to understand how the game is played. So if I don't stay on top of the rules of the game, how can I help people understand the rules of the game, right? So for me, again, time is super precious, right? And I look at most of the time, again, I'm also not a robot, right? So I make what I consider my own self suboptimal decisions. They're optimal and suboptimal decisions. But at this, as much as I can, I try to optimize my time. And so in that perspective, I look at, like, again, a return. Just like you look at return on investments, I look at a return on my time. So if I'm investing into this and I'm pouring into this, it may not be immediate return. Right. I might not be a billionaire tomorrow. I might not, you know, hit that, you know, IPO for the company in immediately. But what am I what are my am I planting the right seeds that will get me to return? And I think as, as a community, again, mindsets, long term mindset. Wealth is a long term mindset. True wealth. Right. A come up. Like if you invest in Bitcoin and you put in 50,000 today, and you're hoping that 50,000 becomes 120,000, you know, next week, that's not a long-term mindset. That's a come up. That's 
almost damn near gambling. Yeah. So having the long-term mindset, right? I'm building wealth. I'm building this. I'm putting myself in a position to win short-term and long-term. Yes. Even when I say long-term game, you still got to have some good short-term upside, right? And even at pain. So if you work out, so what is technically the definition of ugly strength training? You're actually tearing muscle to build it. Right. So the same thing with your with your mind, you actually have to stretch your mind to make you smarter, to build it. Same difference. Right. So it's the same way that we as a community, we got to stretch ourselves. So stretch ourselves. We put in more knowledge. We put in more of the things that are going to make us better individually. And your individually is different from my individually and your goals are different from my goals. But in all of it. You still have to understand the rules that you're being held to. And so the same way, like we understand the rules of, of uh, fine, you're supposed to know the rules of finance, you know, the rules of like criminal justice code, don't jaywalk, right? Don't, you know, do X, Y, and Z, don't rob somebody. So, you know, those basic rules, yeah. but you have to understand the basic rules of your, your personal life, your financial life. So I think that's where for me, it's like, hey, bruh, you got to focus on the things that are super important to you and prioritize, right? Your priority is going to shift over time. But you still have to, again, my top four things are this, you know, my family, my mental state, my business, like those are top three things that that resonate for me. Right. So that's where, again, they might sometimes about my son, which was my family, my wife. Right. They're never going to not be in my priority list ever. Right. So, again, my mental state, my physical state, if you are not here to enjoy the things you're working for, it don't matter. Working yourself to death don't get you anywhere. So there's some, there's again, that's just how I, I view stuff, some of this stuff, man. Definitely. Thank you for that insight. And as you're you're speaking, I think about a last I think last year, about a year ago, I really dug deep into what guides my decisions. And I call it my decision-making protocol, where essentially if there's an opportunity, I think about how it aligns with my personal mission. Um, and if it doesn't, then I don't do it, right? So there are certain things that help to enable my decision-making. And you mentioned that you essentially do the same thing, family, values, business. So that's, that's very, very important. So I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, you're, you're talking about your decision-making is your North Star. Your values yes. are your North Star. So yeah. if you know where your North Star is, bro, you can't get lost. Yeah. And, and we're not always going to be on point. Like, of course, we're going to make decisions that's like, you know, I just did it because I, I, I can take a shortcut. <laughs> I, mean, I can go over here real quick yeah. for a little bit, but I know where my North Star is, right? So I can always realign. So that's the thing. You can realign. If I know the rules again, again, I don't make all optimal decisions. I can still make a wrong decision, yeah, yeah. but I know the rules of the game. So I understand the wrong decision I made. But if I don't know the rules of the game, I don't even understand that I made a wrong decision. So I can continue to make the same wrong decisions. Exactly. But if you have the North Star, if you have the knowledge, yes, you're not going to make all perfect decisions, bro. We're all human. So cool. I went over here to the left a little bit, but I can readjust back to the right and I'm back on my line. Right. So that's the stuff where, again, at least, you know, the more, you know, is the easier it is for you to do. Exactly. So I think the the takeaway from this particular segment of mindset and um, just staying in alignment 
is knowing our North Star, knowing our purpose. So that even when we get off track and we fall off, we know what to come back to. And our purpose can always be redefined. Our North Star can and will and should always be redefined as well as we continue to move through different chapters of our journey, right? So, And it's growth. It's also part of it is growth. So I think, again, I believe as, as people, like I say, 70% of your core will probably be the same, right? And I, there's a good 30% that you can grow on the periphery of your core to me, right? Again, this is my personal thing, um, separate from the company. But it, as your core, the type of person you are, if you are an honest person, you know, if you're a respectful person, I don't really think a lot of those things change, right? I think you can grow and become smarter and become even better, and you can become not better, right? Literally, again, we all have that ability to, to grow and to change. But in the same essence, you know, you always want to be growing. You always want to be learning. You want to be evolving, right? It's almost like we're we're all natural um, caterpillars. Yeah, we're all natural caterpillars, and we we should be growing into that butterfly. Yeah. And what does that look like for all of us? What does that that cocoon look like? What does that growth process look like? What does that absorption look like? And you know, what are you trying to get to? There are all of these different types of caterpillars out there. Yeah. Beautiful, different, different ones are beautiful, right? So that's where, again, the mindset and mentality like, hey, my value, my beauty, my, you know, how I respect myself, how I think of myself doesn't always have to align to your job or it doesn't have to always align to what you look like or it doesn't always have to align to these things, right? But find find that comfort within yourself and your and the folks that you love and that you surround yourself with surround yourself with good people also yeah that's super critical to your own growth and in that growth process you will try you should try to put yourself around the best people that support you and you support them as well right that mutual growth aspect um because that just helps to accelerate that and those people appreciate your growth and you appreciate their growth Right. Not to say people change, like they become a whole different person. And that can happen as well. Yeah. But in, in times you like, you really want to be able to, to push. If you have a good, healthy competition, I would say to a certain extent, push each other, push yourself. You should have an internal competition. Yeah. If you want to be better than you were yesterday, last week, last year. Right. Again, don't necessarily try to, to switch it all up, but that's that self growth and self improvement. So if you take that on as a mission, all the other things, again, mindset, it all comes down to mindset, right? What do you do with the things that you're given? What do you do with the talents you're given? What do you do with the opportunity you're given? But you got to prepare for the opportunity at the same time, right? Yeah. So that's putting in the work in the gym. And I'm, it may not be a physical gym, it may be reading, right? It may be networking, it may be learning you know, reading contracts to make sure that you understand details of contracts, different variations of contracts, um, you know, making sure that, 
you know, you keep up on top of, of the news, on top of social issues, on top of criminal justice reform, education reform, what does that mean? If you've got kids or you don't have kids, I wanna make sure I might put my, my kids in the best position to learn and be in an environment that supports them, mm -hmm. right? And having the choices that, hey, I can move from here to here, right? That puts me in a better spot. Or I, I wanna move from Jersey to Florida and I wanna change and I have that option. Yeah. Right. So I think that's where a lot of times financial freedom comes in to give you options. You may choose to not use them, but having the option is, is critical. Precisely. Speaking of mobility options and financial freedom, what is the importance of ownership? Number one, when it comes to home ownership, owning assets, and how does my home pathway help to equip people for ownership. Yeah, so ownership is the greatest accumulation or the greatest way to get to wealth, right? Not really income. Like I think sometimes a lot of people confuse those two things, right? Ownership of assets, businesses, real estate, homes, right? Stocks, because stocks are what? partial ownership of businesses, right? Or you can own your own business as a small business owner, an entrepreneur. Ownership is a huge difference. It's the significant differentiator, right? In building wealth and, and, and having choices and having options, right? For yourself and for your kids and for future generations. So, you know, within that, it's unfortunate there's been a lack of access, true access given to certain communities. Back in the day, there was redlining that stopped a lot of ownership opportunities for black and brown communities, where you know, partly the government, partly financial institutions were like, we're not lending to these black and brown communities in Harlem and Brooklyn and, and Detroit and inner cities. And so that stopped ownership opportunities, right? And they got rid of that you know, in the late 60s. And now we, we ended up with other barriers to entry and now the new barriers to entry or newer barriers to entry are credit scores, yeah. right? And so that's the next challenge. And the challenge is around how do we create more access? So literally that's what My Home Pathway is built on, right? We wanna create more access for folks um, to you know, learn the rules of the game and then apply that so that they are given the opportunity for home ownership. Right. So if you are considered a traditionally higher risk, right, lower credit scores, maybe higher debt to income ratios, you're going through or thinking about becoming a homeowner. How do we help you get there? Right. How do we provide the guidance? How do we provide the, the, the knowledge? How do we make it relatable to you? How do we simplify? Because finance can be intimidating. So we need to simplify it so you understand it and then you get more comfortable with it and you develop a passion for it. Right. I'm super passionate about this, right, because I, I've loved it and I've learned it and I've absorbed it. Right. It becomes part of my fabric. Right. It becomes a habit. When these things become a habit, then you don't have to think about it. So now we, how do we get 10, 15, 20 million people to develop these habits who have not been given the opportunity to. Right. So it's the guidance and it's the support. Right around again, non-optimal decisions all the time. We're not robots, but we still wanna put you in a spot to know what the right things are, right? And to super encourage you, hey, Aquaeus, 
here's what we need to do. Here's the blueprint, right? We're laying out the blueprint. And yeah. so how do we help you build that financial blueprint? Boom, here's the square, here's the dimensions, right? Here's what you need to do. Here's the permits to the city. Same difference in personal finance. We're walking you through the blueprint, right? And then in that blueprint, then we build a house. So again, when you know the, these, these phrases, put your, um, put your house in order. Yeah. You've heard the phrase before. Yeah. Why is that? Put your house in order. Your house is out of order. Your life is out of order. Your home becomes that thing. What is your home? A dwelling, right? A place of protection, a place of communion, right? A place that your family and friends can come to, right? A place of where your family can be raised and have the memories, right? So all of these things that are associated, a place to build wealth, home appreciation, equity, options. Yeah. yeah. Right. Ownership actually helps on taxes. We forget about that. You get property tax deferred. I mean, um, write-offs. You get interest write-offs. So if I make the same as you, but I own and you're renting, I'm effectively playing effectively lower tax rates than you. That's the game. Right. And, I, and then on the other side of that, I have home equity or home price appreciation. You don't have that. So you're getting a double whammy. So how do I stop you from, you know, how do I put more people in the spot to not put themselves in that position, not be lifetime renters? And so, you know, around getting folks in that place of access, then we have to make sure that they can get, you know, true, transparent, fair access, right? So even when you are sometimes in a good spot, some institutions still take advantage of you, right? And if you don't have the true knowledge to know how these things are, how these play out, then you can't fight back. And so that's, there's, it's a pretty, you know, complex process, but we want to simplify all of this stuff. And that's what my own pathway is truly built on a simplification of all this stuff and making it relatable. And again, embedding it into your habits and embedding it into your mindset so that it's, it's, you know, easy. And then now you become a core person that can share that knowledge and share kind of how you, you teach your kids how to be smarter with money, right? Because again, how do you shop? Where do you shop? If I can save 20, 30% on the things I normally buy, that's cash flow, Yeah. right? That improves what I can and can't do, right? Now I have options. I got, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 in my savings account that I can use for emergency purposes, anything pops up, right? Or I can use that to buy a rental property and start building my portfolio, right? Or I can use that to pay for my kid's graduation or pay for my kid's college education, right? Or I can use that in so many different ways, right? Now, I, how do I protect my assets once I've built them? Understanding risk dynamics of what is insurance is risk protection, or is it, sorry, technically risk mitigation, but it protects assets typically, right? But you have to understand these things. So that's where we're trying to just truly open up um, all of these different pieces, right? So it's, it's good decision-making, but it's also putting people in a place where they get the right options when they rewarded for making good decisions. So for people listening right now who are like, you know what, I want to really look into my home pathway. I want to check it out. Where can they go to check it out? And how, how does that user experience 
look and feel. Um, you don't have to get into everything, but just just whatever you you feel you want to share right now. Yeah, so um, the app is in app stores right now, Google and Android. Uh, so if you go on Android or Google and, and look for My Home Pathway, um, it'll be in app stores. You can pull it up, download it, um, you know, set up your account, you know, connect your credit score, connect through the bureaus to pull your credit score, and then connect your bank accounts, and then we'll give you a an assessment, your home buyer readiness report, like where are you today, right? And then how does, are you good? Are you not so good? Are you great? And if you're not so good, how do we help you get to good, right? And that's literally what we're doing. The things that we're talking about on this podcast are the things that we've embedded into the app. How do we help 10, 15 million people, you know, improve their mindset, improve their, their condition, right? You're here, you start somewhere. Again, situation, you're starting somewhere. And we're going to help you understand where you are, truly understand where you are comprehensively. And then from where you are, how do we help to make sure? And if you're already good, perfect. Gravy. How do we make sure that you are provided fair opportunity when you're already gravy? Or if you're not, how do we help you get there? So that's literally what we're doing. And then, you know, you can also check out some of the information um, on our website, myhomepathway.com. Um, you can find us on, you know, most of the social media channels, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. So, you know, we're out here really trying to, to deliver the message of um, just playing smart. Definitely. From a, from a community standpoint, I know that My Home Pathway launched, what was it, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, just over two weeks ago. Okay. Um, from a community standpoint, because I know you're you're big on helping people. You mentioned that early. So socially, uh, in regards to community, what do you have in mind for that level of impact, right? Our communities, communities of color, um, and the the advancement of those who look like us. Um, so again, vision and North Star. So for me, we're, I personally wanted to attack this wealth gap for a while, right? And the home ownership gap feeds the wealth gap. So you got to go back to root causes, a lot of stuff, right? To fix the, the issue, the disease, that you don't treat the symptoms, you treat root causes. So root causes typically are, you end up in, again, come from the risk side financial institutions we end up in the space where a lot of financial institutions just say, hey, you black and brown people are too risky for me to give fair access to. We're addressing the root cause. We're making black and brown people smarter so we get rid of that excuse, right? And now black and brown people have better profiles from a banking standpoint, a lender standpoint, where that excuse is gone. It's no longer valid, right? And you're, we're, we're helping on understand cash flow, helping to understand your money mentality, helping to understand how do you build yourself and build, put yourself in a position to win. So back to the community, what am I looking to do? I am trying to shrink the wealth gap through home ownership. So right now the um, home ownership rate is somewhere 44, 45%, right? For black um, individuals. I think it's around 48, 49% for, for their Hispanic and Latino communities. And it's around 76, 77% for white. 
Yeah. My goal is to shrink that to at least, so we're again, 30 point gap, 15 points over the next five, 10 years, right? It's, but that requires three to $400 billion really flushed into these communities, right? So a lot of these organizations have pledged a billion, JP said 30 billion in a lot of couple of different ways, home ownership, business access, you know, education, et cetera. But it's a complex problem, right? There needs to be federal government policy and support and a lot of funding. You know, one of these bills with a couple trillion dollars needs to throw another, again, couple trillion dollars towards addressing this, right? So there's federal, there's state, there's local, right? Um, the efforts that need to be made. There's financial institution efforts that need to be made. And then there's community efforts that need to be made, right? So that's why the, the problem is relatively complex. And so what we can do is the things that we can control, right? So from a, a black and brown and individual standpoint, how do you put yourself in a position to win? And you learn the game, you improve yourself, you get smarter, you put yourself in a spot where they can't come up with another excuse and I'm good, right? If you tell me, again, I need to get a 3.0 to get this job and I get the 3.0, I should be able to at least have the opportunity to get the job. But if I, you know, my 2.5, I can't really complain if you already told me I need a 3.0. Okay, now I gotta go do that, get that 3.0. Same way with your personal finance and this access stuff. We have to get to a point where there is no, hey, they didn't meet the requirements. Nope, we got it. You said X, boom, knocked it out the park. Now we're here, right? So we need to put ourselves in a position to be at, you know, now we're here. And so as a community, 10, 15, 20 million people can do this, but you do it at an individual level, right? What's in it for me? Let's keep it funky. What's in it for me? Financial independence, access, wealth building. That's what's in it for you, right? Options, cash flow. Yeah. That's setting yourself up. And, you know, again, you want the ability where institutions come chasing you and you turn them down. When you get to that 750, 800, everybody chases you. Yeah. Everybody sends you offers. You'd be like, nope, I'm good. I don't need that. Or yes, this is good. I want that 0% interest rate. Yeah. I want that 1% interest rate. But when you're at that 600, people are like, mm, one, I either don't want to mess with you or I want that 27% interest rate. 27% interest rate, you're hustling backwards yeah. across multiple products, right? Credit cards, auto loans, all this stuff. So I'm bleeding cash at that point, right? So from a community standpoint, we need to understand those rules. Stop hustling backwards. Stop giving other people excuses. We got this. What I find to be very, very, very interesting is when you mention the stats of home ownership. You said black around 40, 40 something percent? 45, 46 now. 46 percent. And then um, whites in the 60s? 76. No, it's 30 points. Right. It's 30 points. So I was looking at state test scores, right? Standardized test scores um, a few days ago. And the standardized test scores align with exactly what you just said, believe it or not. Um, blacks, Latinos, we're looking at around 30 something percent proficiency in the state of New Jersey. Um, whites, they're in the 60s. Asians are in the 70s in regards to proficiency. So when we look at those stats and then we look at the stats for home ownership 
that that's not a coincidence. They correlate too well. Too, too well. well, right? So your lack of education ish from and there's different forms, right? There's formal education and informal education, right? So from a informal standpoint, that highly correlates for your ability or your the probability of you winning, right? Not to necessarily say um, you're getting into, you have to get to Harvard or you have to get into you know, med school or whatever, but good formal education sets a baseline, foundation, right? Again, like a home, foundation, how you choose to build that home. Some people build mansions, some people build cottages, some people build condos, but you need to have a solid foundation of whatever you're building. Right? So as a community, if we don't have that solid foundation and true equal access to education, but education is highly tied to what? Property taxes yeah. and ownership and economics, you know, funding. So undervalued schools, redlined areas are those undervalued, underfunded schools, right? And again, these are things that happened from 60, 70 years ago. And we're still dealing with it because we didn't make up for the things that we did, you know, as a country a hundred years ago. So you're seeing kind of the fruits of the labor, positive or negative, right? And, and people can point like, hey, these black and brown kids are not putting in effort enough. No, weren't provided the same opportunity off top. Yeah. And so to make up for that, you have to put in additional resources, additional support, additional guidance, just to make up for the stuff that you've not done and taken away over the last, you know, 60, 70 years, right? So again, if I start, we're running a hundred yard race. If I start at the 20, I can start at the 50 against Usain Bolt and I'm going to beat him 99 times out of a hundred, yeah. even Usain Bolt. Right. But if I start on the same starting line with Usain Bolt, he's going to crush me. So a lot of times people don't realize where you start from significant advantages given to other folks. And we got to have a real conversation about this in this country around where starting points of communities and how this country is truly built and who supported, who built that, and then what value is extracted from certain communities. Right. So it's extraction value. Again, gentrification is big and it pops up every now and then. Gentrification because we don't own a lot of those areas that are regentrified. If we were owners, again, owners versus lifetime renters, different matter. How does gentrification happen? Undervalued areas and properties, right? And it actually lobbying with city council and city governments and special provisions to developers and tax abatements, right? All these things occur in the process. By the time you see gentrification, that means it's been going, it's been approved four years ago. Yeah. Right? It, all of these things have been in the in the background, in the works, in the lobbying aspect, and getting special provisions, you know, approved in certain committees that a lot of them aren't as public as they should be. And some are public, but a lot of people don't understand the rules, yeah. right? Of that portion. But if again, if 80% of Harlem is owned by black people, it will look different. Yeah. The results would be different because now you got to buy out all those homeowners to do anything in terms of, you know, um, development, but they don't, they buy out the landlord that owns some of these, the, the, uh, 
uh, rundown properties, right? Undervalued properties. So there's all of these things, as I say, keep saying are very complex, right? Underfunding schools on education. So you don't have the same kind of equal footing and baseline to, you know, put yourselves in another position to win. So we have to think about how do we enhance every way we can you know, yes, criminal justice reform is big and we gotta do that. We gotta do education reform. Financial reform is huge, right? We need financial reform to truly even the playing field. But first you gotta understand the rules of the game to understand what you need to reform. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of change that needs to happen. That's why we're here and that's why you're here. So we have our, our work cut out for us. As as, as we bring things to a close, I know you were generous enough to share some book recommendations with us. Would you like to, to share some of those titles? No, I greatly appreciate it. And so this, is, again, I, I kind of, I'm an avid reader. Um, I love history and I love finance um, in general. And so the history of finance just happens to be something I read a lot about. Um, and again, you say, if you don't learn from the past, you're bound to make the same mistake. Yeah. So how do we learn uh, from the past and how do we, you know, put ourselves in a better position to win? So I think, again, I want to give people some kind of lighter reading, some things that they can read that are still very valuable. Um, but some of the things, uh, some others are a little heavier so that you can kind of, you want to get into weeds a little bit. Um, you can do that as well. Um, so some of the books that I look at and I've read um, and I reread from time to time, like Think and Grow Rich. Uh, the Dennis Kimbrough version, kind of the black and brown folk version of Think and Grow Rich. Um, I've also read the Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich. Um, so, you know, you can also read both of those. Um, love Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, uh, super smart guy. Been talking about black financial independence and empowerment for a while. Um, Claude Anderson as well uh, has a bunch of books. So if you want to kind of rock with Claude Anderson, Dr. Kimbrough, uh, super smart folks. Um, then you got, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, again, mindset, right? And his dad was super educated, but didn't understand true like business and money. And so, you know, those are some of the things that you always got to understand. Again, the difference between income and wealth, right? And so you got to really get a little bit a better footwork and ground and, and footing. So something like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then gets a little deeper in terms of like Tony Robbins as a book. And again, he's a motivational speaker, but he, one of the best finance books I've ever read is called Money, Master the Game. Um, and he, there he interviews a bunch of really super smart hedge fund guys and, and VC guys that truly know how money really works and their decision making and what they look at when investing. Um, that's how I learned about Ray Dalio and Bridgewater um, Associates, which is the largest hedge fund yeah. in the U.S. Um, and their investment style, the Four Seasons um, investment strategy, super dope. Um, so that was a great one. And I was actually surprised. I forgot who told me about it, but that was a surprise. I'm like, Tony Robbins with a, a finance book, but it was super dope. Um, Seven, Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. You know, talks about internal wins, right? And what does that look like? The discipline you got to take to grind and, and look at you again, figuring out your North Star type stuff. So there, there's a, a discipline to a lot of this stuff that we need to be able to look at. So again, you wanna hustle, like that grind and hustle. If you've got that natural ability built into you, that's great, um, but don't hustle backwards. Yeah. So you gotta understand what true hustling smart looks like. And there's a discipline to all of that stuff. So, you know, that book is a great one. 
alchemist, um, Paulo Coelho, um, what are you searching for? Truly understand what you're searching for. What's the value of what you're looking for? Because sometimes what you're looking for is right in front of you. That's actually one of the best books I've ever read about the simplicity of our search. I mean, what does that mean? Um, so that was super dope. A um, couple of deeper ones. Um, I'm gonna go into like Rick and really trying to jump into heavier finance a little bit, and even not as deep, but um, making of an American capitalist on the story of Warren Buffett. This is his biography, not his auto, um, but it was also a really good book about how he thinks, how he became the Warren Buffett from you know learning from Benjamin Graham as well, and how he you know built his portfolio and how he you know, looks at investments and then value investing and, and that type of stuff. So that's just again mindset. And, and asking the right questions. Like that's one of the super things about Buffett. He just always asks a bunch of questions. Yeah. And so if you get yourself in the right mindset of asking questions, that educates you because answers help to educate you. Um, so that was good. Uh, you get a little deeper in terms of like economics, macro and others. And a lot of the theory that's based today is Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. It's a little thick, um, most of that stuff actually doesn't apply. I say some of that stuff doesn't apply today, but it gives you a baseline of how we got here. Yeah. Um, so Wealth of Nations um, is also super dope. Um, Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. This is the guy that taught Warren Buffett really how to be a billionaire. Um, and so if you really want to see the, the concepts of value investing and how to break down securities in the stock market and what true investment long-term looks like, that's Benjamin Graham. Um, so super dope guy as well. Um, against the gods is the remarkable story of risk. It's how we came to define risk in finance. So finance is really all around risk. Um, and this kind of goes back all the way and gives credit to the Babylonians actually creating the first number um, tables. And so without numbers, we'd never get to risk. We'd actually never get to finance truly without numbers, at least nowhere near the, the finance that we think of today. Um, so against the gods, uh, is like the story of risk and the story of really finance, the story of, um, you know, risk management, model development of modern finance, really. Um, and then one that I actually haven't read yet, and I got to admit it, but it's been on my bookshelf for a bit, is <clears throat> The Color of Law. So how we got here in terms of the financial inequities and gaps, a lot of it was coded in law for a long time. And you know that's kind of been the crux of the federal government helping to keep, unfortunately, black and brown folks in a certain spot, right? So what we see are repercussions today of stuff that's been happening 170, 80 years ago, 60 years ago. Um, so a lot of this stuff was codified in law. Yes, we've made a couple changes from there, but even when you make changes later, you never actually made up for the stuff that you did terribly, you know, a while ago. So color of law, super dope. And then just like from info resources, if folks wanna just find ways to soak up information, you know, there's Housing Wire, if you're really into real estate, there's Axios Media, um, Urban Institute, like really dope and kind of showing, you know, the gaps within certain communities and achievement, not just housing, but, you know, overall wealth and savings and, and different disparities. So Urban Institute's really dope, got a, a lot of great uh, information and data sets. Um, super nerdy stuff for data, Federal Reserve Bank has a data site that gives you all the banking information. 
Uh, some of it can be super complex to read, uh, the pink sheets and, and some of the other data elements. Um, but if you're really into financial data, you can go look for it on their site. Um, and then Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, uh, publishes a lot of public data uh, around housing, around a lot of consumer retail credit card delinquencies and a lot of that stuff. So you'll get that from CFPB. Um, again, from a, just a, a tech side, you have TechCrunch, mortgage data through Black Knight, um, and then all three of the bureaus, right? Credit, I mean, um, Experian, uh, Equifax, and TransUnion have newsletters and trends uh, around consumer stuff, business stuff. So if you really want to kind of get into that that credit side of it uh, pretty deeply, you can always sign up to their newsletters. A lot of them are public. Um, and then again, your basic things like CNBC, uh, shout out to Vice, um, Vice Media, Vice News, big fans of that as well. Um, again, we've also been accepted as one of the inaugural class for Vice Black Plus with National Urban League. Uh, so shout out to National Urban League, shout out to Vice. Um, and then LinkedIn, I, I look at a lot of LinkedIn, you know, company data and company announcements and what's going on at a, a corporate level. Because um, again, those things move the needle uh, for folks. And so those are just some sources that you can always kind of tap into and you know, keep on the reel and, and just keep paying attention to it. Uh, and then just a, another quick uh, one is just play Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly is a great um, way to learn different pieces. And it shows you, you know, some different rules to game, a finance game um, at a 30,000 foot level, but you can start taking some of those lessons and applying them on the personal side. So those are just a couple of tidbits. Um, got a whole bunch more, but I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of tapping up on time. So I appreciate that, the opportunity to share. Ah, super dope, super dope. We appreciate it. How can people best reach out to you, best stay in touch with you? Um, if they want to tap into some more insight as it pertains to my home pathway or even what you just mentioned. Yeah, I would say definitely, um, you know, check out our website, myhomepathway.com. Um, you can again check out our social media handles, uh, my home pathway at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and then again, sign up to our newsletter. We have tons of dope information coming out on a weekly basis on that at least. Um, download the app you know, set up your profile, um, get the information directly from our app. How do we help folks that really need helping? And, and another part of it is really, we can help people just get on a better financial footing. So you might not even really need to get into our home today. Maybe it's two or three years from now. Maybe it's, you know, you want to get it in the future. How do you set yourself up for having that option early, right? If you know you want to be a homeowner, get on the right path. Right, making sure that you you put yourself in a better spot. And if you know you want to be a homeowner in three, six, whatever months, get in early. Right, don't wait to get turned down by the bank or whatever, or, or be a surprise. Like I didn't know this. No, you have the opportunity now to get the the best assessment and the best knowledge to say, hey, you're there, you're not there. But if you're not there, how do we help you? Right. So, you know, we're that's what we're building to really truly give people that opportunity. Um, and again, you know, shout out to um, Driven Society. Thank you for the listeners. Um, and then for you know, a couple folks, I'm gonna give you my actual personal email address. Don't kill it, um, but it's castley at myhomepathway.com. C-A-S-T-L-E-I-G-H at myhomepathway.com. So multiple ways to reach out to us. 
appreciate that and to close things out as we do here at Driven Society, what drives you? Uh, man, um, helping our people win. Pretty simple. Enough said, enough said. So again, Cassidy, thank you. We appreciate it. Shout out to Andy who's listening in right now. Shout out to Trav and Franz and the entire DS team. Uh, so without further ado, again, Cassie, thanks a lot. Thanks for all the listeners, the community tuning in. And we will see you next time around. Take care, everyone.